This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic. I have a problem. I look like Jared Padalecki. I got them Supernaturals. So my value right now is zero. If you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to communism. Forced farming is really not a vibe. Hello, prayer warriors and pay pigs. Welcome to another special advice episode of Big Soy Naturals. We are here at uh, Verizon Stadium at the Mental Wealth Symposium. We are um, at the Los Angeles Crypto.com <laughs> Courthouse Arena. And today's episode has been brought to you by the only cryptocurrency that will never crash, Banana Coin. And there's so many things that you can do with Banana Coin because as a deregulated uh, form of currency, you know, it's, it's uh, mm -hmm. safe from things like, you know, the looming recession that people are- Ironclad. So, yeah, it, like that won't happen. Um, it's free from, you know, government, oversight like the banana coin is like the realization of ron paul's dreams mm -hmm. um and we can build a better tomorrow and it starts with some banana peels and that tomorrow is the leftist cafe that i am opening up um <laughs> some people have been asking me oh what makes this cafe leftist and i'm saying we're going to be selling tote bags that will have Angela Davis quotes on them. So obviously the leftist elements of this cafe have been secured. Some people are asking, oh, are you going to pay your employees a living wage? Are you going to let them unionize? And I'm saying, I feel like you're thinking really small, like unions mm -hmm. are kind mm -hmm. of a thing of the past. And I'm, I'm trying to live in the future. And the way that I'm encouraging my employees to sort of like be entrepreneurs while also not quitting working for me is by paying them exclusively in banana coin, which gives them a little something called equity. Um, mm -hmm. because now mm -hmm. I'm tying their financial success to the success of the business that they work for, my business, which of course is very generous of me and is a foolproof plan because as long as yeah, my I mean, business you... never goes under, they will always be wealthy and my yeah, business I mean, you've taken care of their, their financial future. You, you've brought them on a path towards, um, potentially being their own CEO one day. Although hopefully um, not. Well, Not anytime I'm, soon. Yeah, because I, I do need workers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, you know, someday, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 10, 20 years from now, they'll be able to cash in on all that banana coin that they've earned. Right. And if you, you know? want to invest in my leftist cafe, which is going to be sort of like the physical outlet of my banana uh, startup, like my, you know, direct to consumer banana subscription company. Um, if you do that this week, I will send you a commemorative banana in the mail. Mm -hmm. So think about that. You know, 
I think you know some people have been asking about um, our third anonymous owner, um, and I just want to say uh, it is definitely not Cerise's uncle once removed. No, it's actually um, Peter Thiel, who I'm not related to. A lot of yeah. people think that we are because we look so much alike, but there's there's no relation. Um, no relation. It's just Not that we, we both have a really like intense skincare routine that involves mm-hmm. the blood of younger people. Um, and so that sort of gives us this like illusion of looking similar to each other because we just have this like really healthy glow and sheen to our skins. But mm-hmm. uh, no, it, common misconception. We're not related. Um, but he, yeah, with he the- is. He is a... He's, you know, like a quiet investor. Um, he really believes yeah. in me and my vision. He's also yeah, and since been the the success of Banana Coin, this whole time, yeah, he's been sponsoring this podcast. Why do you, think you know, we he's have been the views that we do. I mean, they came from Peter <laughs> Thiel. Uh, he does. Ha- he doesn't. You know, he doesn't tell us what to do exactly, but we do have to write out everything that we're going to say before we say. It. People think that we're off the yes. cuff. We're actually scripted. Uh, this is like very stri- methodical. Yeah, strictly scripted. We're just really good at what we do, so it seems spontaneous when mm-hmm. we go off topic, mm-hmm. but those topics are actually planned. And um, Peter Thiel has line approval, um, and that is what allows us to not do anything all day besides mm-hmm. record. So yeah. many people come to us, they ask us questions, they say, how can we be successful just like you? And that's why we opened up our mental health hotline because I firmly believe that mental health starts with mental wealth, um, Mm -hmm. which is just regular wealth in your bank account. Um, I'm not like Kendall, you know, I'm self self made. I I wasn't born (laughs) with a silver spoon in my mouth. No one sat me on a dressage horse from a young age and told me to go off and do whatever I wanted. I had to really work very hard to get to where I am. Um, Unlike some people that have just had everything handed to them um, and have never known a day's hard work in their life. You know, I will say I I I do think you're qualified to answer some of these questions. Yeah, you know, I you know, I did a lot with my small loan from my father of a million Ethereum. Um and I think, you know, I have a I have a lot to give um to, you know, the trust funds fun babies who listen to us. I think they have a lot That's that can be gained from my perspective. Majority of our audience is non binaries mm-hmm. with a uh, net with income a of like five hundred thousand yeah. a year. <laughs> Yeah, from their oil tycoon father. Um, or mother. We're feminists or mother. here. Yeah. They can have fe- two mothers that are oil yeah. tycoons, or, okay? Or their, their non-binary parental figure, you know? Their found family. <laughs> okay. So. Are you done? I've opened... You done? I'm tapped out. We have opened up our uh, our, our mental health hotline, our mental we wellness line. We opened it up so long ago, but we had other things yeah. to do. If you have a problem with 
how long it took this episode to come out. Like, if you were really waiting for us to answer your question, I'm so sorry, but you got to take that up with the Supreme Court because <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope one of your questions required some like urgency. Like, I'm dying and I need to know, like. A certain question. Yeah, we did get a number or, of like, calls I'm breaking that up were with like, my boyfriend two days ago, two days help, from now. Help, I'm fallen and I can't get up. Please, I'm trapped in a well. I, I only have enough food for four days. <laughs> but no, we. I mean, we. I think that the the hotline is always open, and I think yeah. when, whenever we get like enough questions that are interesting, then we'll probably answer them. If you know. Sometimes we run out of ideas about, like, what are we going to do <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> and we and need to milk our, need, our... You guys have helpfully we need to... created content for us. That's not true. We actually have, like, a lot of ideas, but we as do. much as we, we love... I'm, I'm more of, like, an ideas guy and less of, like, a doing work guy. And, you know, Kendall <laughs> has never worked a day mm-hmm. in their life, so... <laughs> It's it's easier for us to do this, uh, you know. We've had we've had a lot of guests on the podcast, and now we're back to basics. You know, me getting bullied. You should get bullied. Cerise bullying. Okay, because I know that in your little like cushy private school where everyone gets a horse assigned to them, like bullying's outlawed, and the, the headmaster will like give you a stern talking to if you use any mean words against anyone. Um, Because you're supposed to be reserving those mean words for minorities. But, like, in Mm -hmm. the real world, bullying builds character. And I'm just trying to help you. And, and, you know, I've I've built a lot of character the past couple months. And you're going to build more. It's been working. (laughs) Peter Thiel gave me some some (laughs) notes for you. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, what did he he say? You should smile more. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like you can hear me smiling, can't you? Do you, you, listeners? you just have a really sour so much. expression <laughs> at all times. Every time yes. I remind you that your eyes are the wrong color, you just put this just, sad ooh. little look on your face, and Pete's like, "It's just not, it's not like going over well with our audience." <laughs> Speaking yeah, of our audience, yeah, um, Kendall, would you maybe like to? read or or play uh one of our first questions yes um let's see here look at how long that that segue was it wasn't wasn't even that long intro was only 10 minutes you're welcome only 10 minutes you're welcome you're welcome one of the notes i got Um, from peter hello kendall and cerise this is probably too late, and it isn't an advice question either, but what's the most embarrassing thing you've done for love? Well, good news, Khalil. You are not too late. We took yeah. several months <laughs> to get to this episode. <laughs> so you're not too late. It's all good. This isn't an um, advice question, you're right. It's a personal yeah. question, but have you even done anything embarrassing for love besides, like, get oh, married? God. I mean, the most embarrassing things I would ever do... And I've, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but, um, I, I, you know, this is, this is very much like my autism is a flautism kind of deal, but I think it's actually a strength of mine in the sense that like, I had absolutely no shame in like, I, I hated pining and I hated waiting for people to notice me. So I would just like 
tell somebody I liked them. I would I would gain a crush and then be like instant. All right, I have to go tell them that I have feelings for them now. Um, the minute I realize that those feelings are there Ugh, and not relatable, ninety nine percent of the time it ended in failure. It was embarrassing, and I would mm-hmm. get right back on the horse and do it again. I never saw that as like the mistake that I was making. I was like, mm, they just don't like me, um, and that's fine. Um, it wasn't fine, but at the very least, I just I kept doing the same thing, expecting different results, which I guess some people call uh, a symptom of insanity. Um, but I would just say it makes me um, autistic and hot and beautiful and sexy. Um, Those things are yeah. not mutually exclusive. Um, <laughs> we're are is that your is that your answer? Are you yeah, locking that yeah, in? Yeah, that's my answer. See, you don't have a lot of material for this question because you are married, you know, mm-hmm. which I guess it, it is an embarrassing thing that some people do for love. The I did, of... I did get up on a, on like an altar and sh- tell a bunch of people how much I loved my spouse. Yeah. That's pretty embarrassing. It is. Um, I have so much material to answer this question, <laughs> which is not an advice question. Like don't, I mean, you could repeat me um, if you want, but I feel honestly pretty strongly that like it's better to do embarrassing things and then look back and be like oh that was kind of embarrassing than to do nothing and then be like huh I wonder what would have happened if I had embarrassed myself which is different okay from compromising your dignity like if you already know what's up and then you still go after the thing um that's sad but if you don't know and you put yourself out there and then you're embarrassed. That's fine. But let's let's see. Let's see. Where can I start? Um, okay, one was I, like, moved cross-country for someone that I had a crush on. Um, but I, like, grossly misunderstood geography. And... Um, <laughs> okay, because they, they, were, they were in L.A., and uh-huh. when I was, like, kind of trying to think about what schools I wanted to go to, I was, this was when I was 19, before I had started college, I was like, hmm. I, I, had, I had already wanted to go pretty far for school because I was listening to a lot of pop punk, and so I wanted to get out of my, my hometown. Um, but knowing that this person that I liked was in L.A., I was like, I think I will mostly apply to like west coast schools and then see what what happens and then when i got into evergreen which i knew was going to happen because they have a 99 percent acceptance rate i got into a couple other schools um that were on the west coast uh like stanford was one of them also which is like not close to la either um like (laughs) the bay area is like a whole trip but i was i was like okay cool like i'll be pretty close because I'll be on the West Coast. And so I was deciding between Stanford and Evergreen, thinking that they were, like, equally viable options for being able to visit this person that I had a crush on. And it took me getting to Olympia and then seeing that the the distance from Olympia to L.A. is about mm-hmm. as long as the distance from, like... <laughs> Philly to Washington but I was like I will say so that was that was an embarrassing thing sort of but not because I regretted 
moving there and that was where I wanted to go to school but embarrassing in that I really just didn't understand like maps um, or mm-hmm. distance mm-hmm. you know in fairness to you you did grow up on the east coast where everything's it's like, very the states close. are not yeah the states are not far apart like you can get to four different states within a couple hours right and back. that's what I thought everything was like I thought that you could just yeah. get from Washington to California in a day um, I mean I I, I am still of the mindset that um the West Coast should be divided into at least nine more states. Mm. Um, I think we need to stop. It's too big. It's all too no, big. No, because I like that California is named after a caliphate. I think that's sort of oh, a yeah. cool thing that got snuck in there. Um, let's mm-hmm. see. Another embarrassing thing that I did for love. Um, I was like deep, deep, deep. I do love to pine. So that's mm-hmm. there is the difference between you and me. Um, Dialectic, baby. I love pining. I like, I think I, I think I kind of like it, even though I'm suffering. Um, because then I get to like, think about how I'm suffering. And then I get to like lie in the bathtub. And I'm like, Oh, I'm suffering. Um, <laughs> and I get to listen to like sad music. Um, because I don't know if I'm liked back. And it's like, Oh, this is mm-hmm. like a really like fraught, like dramatic moment for me. So why would I ruin that by confirming if feelings are mutual, but I was in this like friends with benefits thing with this person that I wasn't even friends with for like over a year. And there were multiple points throughout the year where I had gotten definite confirmation that they did not feel the way about me that I felt about them. But I was like, I think I'll just wait this out until they change their mind. And then I felt like I had won because they did change their mind at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. They were like, I really like you. We should be in a relationship. And I was like, cool, I won. But that was not a good thought process for me. And also, they didn't have sheets on their bed. Oh, on purpose because they were a minimalist. Ooh, a minimalist with no sheets. Uh huh. Who was also Ooh. like really, really popular. Like very. Um, I'm saying promiscuous, honestly, like derogatory, right? And okay, like yeah. constantly, Poor. we're having people over, and I was like, I don't understand how this is happening. When you've got no sheets. <laughs> no sheets and you're, you've got all these bitches. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so that was pretty embarrassing. Um, yeah. I think that might be like, that's probably most embarrassing. And it's also, this is not advice. So yeah. thanks for the personal question. Um <laughs> um okay do you want to do you want to ask the next one yeah all right dear cerise and kendall i'm trying to decide if i should throw a tantrum i found (laughs) out that that the person i'm seeing hooked up with my friend this happened way before we started dating but i only found out now it seems like neither of them thought it was important so they didn't think to tell me i kind of want to throw a fit about it 
but I also don't want to lose my friend, and I still really like the person that I'm seeing. Am I valid for throwing a tantrum anyway? I like this question. It's got everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's got it's got the causing problems on purpose. That I you I was gonna say I I really respect this thought process, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's one that I've probably had many times. I've been on both ends of this scenario, mm-hmm. like more than once, probably more than twice. Have Have you? Uh, I have thrown a tantrum or two about stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've yeah, I've been the I've been the person who has hooked up with like someone that my friend is going to be dating. Um, my last relationship, um, their ex-boyfriend was like a really close friend of mine and we had to like go ask permission like um like a little italian girl getting married to make sure that it was okay Mm -hmm. um and i yeah i've i've been on both sides of this i'm gonna say i feel like some people would would be like oh this is grounds for being upset i think it's not i think it's fine because i think that like it would be one thing if it was it, if it was happening while you were together or if they were like hiding it but if it mm-hmm. just didn't come up because it's like not relevant yeah it's like who you know who cares and now actually this could be better for you cuz now you know that they're probably never going to hook up with your friend cuz it already happened it's out of the way yeah and they didn't want to do it again so mm-hmm. i think throw the tantrum anyway for fun <laughs> But then for, <laughs> forgive everyone. Okay, yeah. Oh, oh, they have to forgive. Yeah, they can, yeah. They have to forgive but those I people. I think it's good to get your anger out. Okay. Like, yeah. So throw, throw your little tantrum. Why not? Um, and then just when you're done throwing your tantrum, just be like, but it's fine. I think you should go with, um, you know, it's a tried and true method by all wasps out there and it's the it's the passive aggressive tantrum and it, it's it feels no. so good because you're you're leaking you're leaking arsenic level like vibe leech juice into the room it's just it's absolutely sucking no. the air out of the room when you're going it's fine this is caucasian advice throw a real yeah. tantrum but then get it out just just like be mad and be like mm-hmm. i know i'm not valid i don't care i'm angry yeah. okay okay yeah i see that and then and then it'll be over with everyone will reassure you you'll get attention so you're saying create a footnote at the beginning of your tantrum and say just so you know i'm about to throw a tantrum i'm not valid and i'm going to do it anyway yeah and then that all the time throw some (laughs) just throw some shit around and then slam a door yeah uh, and call someone names and then come back you don't have to call them names unless you yeah. feel like it. But okay, I think okay. I I think that there's value in just and like if you're mad, be mad. You don't have to be valid for being angry, and mm-hmm. then you're not holding on to it. And then they know all the things that you're thinking, even if they're crazy things. Um, and then it's out of the way. Yeah, I don't I like. I don't think that I should true. ever I have think, to keep my thoughts to myself. I do think validity is overrated. It really is. Um, I will say I do I do like poisoning the air with my vibes 
Um, yeah, but that's not good if you're trying to stay friends with people or if you're trying to continue being in a relationship with someone and you're it's just true. poisoning you... the air. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that with, I will say, do that with people you hate. Um, just, like, suck the air out of the room. Um, but no, I, absolutely... I will start a conflict if I'm upset. Mm-hmm. And then then you don't have the conflict anymore because you've already mm-hmm. done it. Yeah. Then it's over. It's done. And I, I will sometimes start things off with saying, like, I'm going to be crazy right now. Mm-hmm. You have to just let me do this. And then I say some <laughs> crazy stuff. And now it's not in my head anymore because I've gotten it out. It's true. I have also done that. And that feels really good. Mm-hmm. It does feel really good to just be crazy. Especially if you really care about this person, I would hope that they understand like when you're coming from a place of like I am feeling all these crazy feelings and I just need to get them out there and I know they're not valid versus like I'm going to blame you for my feelings right now one way of looking at this is that now you know that everyone involved has good taste Mm -hmm. if someone has hooked up with my friend like in the past and I like them now it's like oh you know I I have I, do. I respect the kinds of people I, that you like <laughs> I do love that they've that they've been thinking about penciling in a tantrum for a while and now they have they have done the right thing which has come to two podcasters <laughs> ask for advice I, on when I they also, should pencil in this tantrum I pencil in a, a tantrum all the time I'll mm-hmm. be like I'm gonna have a confrontation because I don't I don't like to I like to get mad in the moment. I like to hold on to my anger and then wait Mm -hmm. for like the most dramatic opportunity to (laughs) unleash it. Yeah. Which is, of course, 2 a.m. in the morning, right when they're about to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) This is when all of my anxieties, my fears, and my anger comes out right here, right now. I actually, I hate it when people do that to me. I, I mm-hmm. really don't like it when I'm falling asleep and then they're like, um, I've just been thinking, I'm going to pretend to to be asleep. I won't, I just won't hear it. We can talk about it in the morning, but I, I think it's, I think it's good to pencil in a tantrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good, it's a good thing to do. Um, let's see. Next question. Hey, I'm, um, let me see here. So I'm calling in today because. I heard um, Kendall was diagnosed with autism, and I'm wondering, um, I guess I'm pretty certain that I have autism. I'm wondering if that's uh, something that was beneficial to her as a whole. And then um, for the team, what uh, what are your feelings on diagnoses? Um, I know you're not professionals, but um, what do you think? Are they good? Are they helpful? Are they kind of meaningless? Um, do they help you get special accommodations? Let me know. Um, all right. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye-bye. So I'm going to answer this first and <laughs> oh, you, say, you, oh, you're yeah, going to answer yeah. this first? Because <laughs> the question is, is Kendall's autism a flautism? And I, okay, think, I as think as I'm the, one the who's primary bully... As you know, of of you over uh-huh. mostly ableist reasons, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that like 
60% of the time, your autism is not a flautism. 40% of... Yeah, 40% of the time... <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, and... Okay. <laughs> now my feelings are hurt. Anyway. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, Kendall, wouldn't you rather have this delicious mango smoothie that I made for you? And you're like, no... Come is my safety food. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember the rest of the lines from Neurodivergent Strippers. Um, come is my safety food. Come is your safety food, and she's eating it for breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. loves the texture, uh, even when I make she her neck hurt. on my cock. Yeah, and I just feel like that's you. That's you to a T. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> and it, it causes you're... some problems for content creation, you know? You're... Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I, I do not actually think your autism is a flautism 40% Thank of you. the time. Thank you. Despite <laughs> hyperfixating on cocks. Um <laughs> I mean, it is one of my favorite tastes. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> I here's what I'll say. I th- this was a unique situation for me, um, and I think I've I've heard from quite a few people now that this has happened to them too. Um, so you know, you could say it's something about society, but I'll let you decide. Um, so I uh, remember had like basically like a a Raven Simone style vision where I remembered that I went to this specialist when I was a, a child. Cause I was only diagnosed with ADHD in all of my like academic years, um, like middle school, high school, elementary, like all that. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was about mm, like seven years old. So um, I got that diagnosis. I got quite a few, like to answer your question, I did get like some special accommodations for that in particular um extra time on tests um I got to have um fidgets in in class and stuff like that and I also um got some special uh excuses to like hall passes basically to leave the classroom and you know take a walk and take some breaks and come back um unlike the other kids who didn't um that was a that was a rarity it only showed up towards the end of high school I guess because like I don't know why, but they just decided that was the point where they were like, okay, that's fine. You can have those then. Um, and they were really helpful. I will say, um, I, then I had some like visions recently where I was like, I definitely went to a specialist as a child who was like testing if I could like tie my shoes at age eight and like could button shirts and could like, you was tie your shoes? All, like, yes, that's the thing I could. And like I was testing can't. my cognitive abilities, um, and testing like my eye contact and like my sensory issues and things like that. And I know I failed some of those. Um, and I was just like, and I went to her for like I think over like two years. I was really young. Um, and so I called up my dad more recently in the last couple of months. So I was like, hey, like I remember this happened. Like, what was up with that? And he was like, oh, that was a test to uh get you diagnosed with autism and i was like whoa okay pump the brakes what that's fucking crazy like nobody told me that um and then i think i asked him like well so what were the results obviously uh and he's like oh i forgot 
which like i guess he is like in his 60s it's been a fair amount of time like two decades so i i kind of get it i guess but at the same time i'm starting to also think like maybe they just didn't uh he conveniently forgot because they kind of forgot to give me that diagnosis and help me with that and accommodate with me with that uh throughout my life so like i get the feeling that even though they had the resources to get me diagnosed they when they were confronted with a diagnosis they didn't like um they ignored it um so (laughs) that's a very personal answer but it's basically like i i came to the diagnosis kind of late afterwards because of that unique situation um so i basically got tested twice once when i was young and now when i'm older and um the the thing is is that getting tested as an adult is really really difficult i'm going to tell you right now like the medical system right now for getting diagnosed especially if you are gender not conforming if you are a woman um and if you are an adult like it's just harder to get diagnosed and they're making it harder um they've in fact in the last i think like couple months they've started breaking news like like putting out like press releases about how like the DSM is going to be different now. And we're like, Oh, that's cool. So it's going to like be more accommodating. They're like, no, it's actually going to be harder because we think people are getting overdiagnosed with autism. Um, so there's like, there's a couple of like tests that I took. Um, Cause I think a lot of the tests um, that you find online are really stupid and poorly worded for people who are autistic. Like they uh, like the, the questions themselves, like have like that, that stupid ass gradient of like, um, never, sometimes, always, um, which for like people who are autistic, who have that kind of thinking. Are these like, like, am I gay quizzes, but for autism? Well, they're, they're official DSM, like quizzes. So I mean, the DSM has used to have gay in there not that long ago. So yeah, that's what I mean is that they were, (laughs) they're like official, um, like diagnosis tests that you'll get from like autism.org or whatever. If you don't get like, uh, certain ones like there's a lot out there that like are currently being tested by certain like autism specialists and autism like foundations and stuff like that you can read that as autism speaks you can read that as pretty much anywhere um and the the questions are just worded really poorly for people who are autistic like the gradient of like one through ten of never sometimes and always just like it's it's a it's not a like a cool like it's not really a gradient that makes sense for people who are who are autistic or who are on the spectrum rather um because like okay so like what does four mean in terms of sometimes or never you know like that's the kind of like question thing that just kind of uh confuses people um and doesn't really get them an accurate diagnosis. So there's quite a few that I would say are really good, and I will be linking them in this uh, in this episode description. Um, there's an entire website that has a really helpful layout of like, okay, so like this uh, this is the kind of like they have all the tests there, including the ones that they don't exactly think are that great, but they explain exactly what these tests like look for, how these questions are worded, and they recommend certain tests for you to actually take. Um, I took like like at least I think like uh like five um before I went to a doctor because all of them kind of graded me on like the you're just above the level of like you're on the spectrum um you're you're like really you're you're right there um you're like right on the border you're right on the map 
Um, so I was like, okay, sick, cool. Um, that is kind of helpful, but it still doesn't quite get me to where I need to be. Um, I went to a, um, a doctor, I showed them all the tests they gave me and they were like, oh, this, these tests are way more helpful than the one I was going to give you. <laughs> um, and they gave it to me anyway. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, yep, you're definitely autistic. I was like, all right, sick, cool. Like, what do I do now? And they were like, well, we uh, don't have a lot of resources for you at this hospital that aren't meant for children. Um, so we don't have a lot to give you here. So I would say, like, while a formal diagnosis can give you, like, um, some clarity uh, and could certainly, like, maybe help you with certain accommodations, especially if you're in, like, if you're in college or if you're in high school, um, I will say I don't know if, like, going to a doctor and getting clinically diagnosed is, like, entirely helpful unless you're trying to look for that clarity of purpose. What I can say is that the, I think the best thing for me um, has been both finding, like, people who uh, are also on the spectrum that have that kind of, um, like, they, they have a lot of tools in their toolbox um, they've they've learned a lot about themselves and they they have a lot of advice to give about like um, how to like regulate your emotions and like figure out um, and do like certain like you know problem solving um, and I do think like if you can and if you have the means to finding a therapist that can specialize in adult autism I, I've I've found like more than a couple like in the past couple of years and they've been great and we've had a great time usually the ones that I've um, talk to are ones who are on the spectrum themselves so they have a lot more uh like you know material experience to give you um but I would say like self-diagnosis is something that like I have no problem with um and I do have like I have more problems I would say with like professional doctors and the way that they've treated me um more than I do uh you know people who don't have uh, the means to go to the doctor um, diagnosing themselves on the internet, you know? Um, but I will say I have some resources for you to be able to diagnose yourself on the internet and figure out like ways to support yourself um, when the medical system fails you. And that's it, that's it. Um, have I, I told that answers my autism story? Yeah, it's different from yours. I have told it. <laughs> I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not answering. I, you I have. You've told it to me. I don't know if you've said it on the podcast. Mm, it's well, possible. You know, I'm not going to find out. So I'll, I'll just mm -hmm. tell it again because I think that it's proof that, like, I've actually had a, I have a more difficult life. Uh, <laughs> than, than you do. I'm actually more oppressed um, because I I also went to one of these little specialists when I was a kid because my, my brother is autistic and um, I was like, I don't know what was going on with me. I must have, I must have been off in school or something. I think I like didn't, I didn't have a ton of friends and also, like, um, I could not tie my shoes, which I still can't do. I 
didn't know my left from right, which I still don't know. Um, That's so hard. It's very difficult. Um, One of the, like, questions, like, you know, in order to graduate kindergarten, they, like, ask you some stuff that's got nothing to do with school. They're like, can you, like, walk in a straight line and, like, tie your (laughs) shoes? And, like, they, they they, like, asked me, like, what my address was, like... I guess just to see if I was, like, retaining some basic information, and I, like, flopped the whole quiz, um, because <laughs> it was, like, all practical stuff, and none of it was, like, mm. related to learning anything, and so then they, like, didn't know what to do with me, because they were, like, well, you know, they did fine, like, throughout the school year, no problems, but they can't tie their shoes, uh, what do we do? And so I, like, Mm -hmm. went to some specialists because my parents got concerned that maybe they, like, didn't notice what was up with me because they were paying attention to what was going on with my brother. And I, like, took all of their little tests. I had to... Did you... Maybe... I don't know if you would remember. They, like, gave me a bunch of pictures of things. They weren't, like, Rorschach tests. But just, like, pictures. And they were, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell a story about what's going on in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, and like I, he left a candle inside the house, and now the house is on fire, and where's, like, then there's a picture of, like, them putting out the fire on the house, and they're like, all right, put these in order, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had to do all of these things, and I talked to the, the doctor for a long time, and then they spoke to my parents... And what they said was, yeah, not autistic, just weird. <laughs> but I did, I did. New merch. Not I, autistic, just weird. Yeah, I did get, which I feel like is worse, you know? Because <laughs> when you get a diagnosis of, of autism, then hopefully you get access to some resources and stuff. If you're just weird. <laughs> They don't give you anything. Um, I did. I did get formally diagnosed with dyspraxia eventually, which is like why, no matter how old I get, I'm probably always gonna have bruises on my knees from falling down. And before <laughs> anyone says that it's the fault of my platform shoes, no, it's not. Because when I walk in flats, <laughs> I fall just as much. I just have a terrible center of gravity. Um, which is, a, that's it, yeah. Dyspraxia and dyslexia and dyscalcia, mm. they're all, like, the same, yeah. I don't know, like, part of your brain or something. My brother's got yeah. the dyslexia. Yeah, I, I got the I got the real, uh, like, the, the real, like... I got duped uh, with my autism is that I also have dyscalculia and ADHD. Oh. So, like, I don't even get to be, like, good at math. The, the way they're like, Damn. oh, you're autistic. You must be, like, really good at math. And it's like, no, I'm very terrible at math when I, like, I, it, I can do basic addition and subtraction, but I'm telling you it will take me longer to uh, calculate the tip than everyone well, else. Well, they're, they're, what what's that word, Com- comorbid, comorbid, right? Comor- com- comorbidity, yeah. There's a lot yeah, of people whatever. who argue um, that, like, ADHD and autism are, like, not comorbid necessarily, and there's, like, semantics and da-da-da-da, but for me, it is comorbid. Well, uh, comorbid autism, ADHD, and OCD, they're all in, like, the same 
circle, I guess. Yeah. In, in the Venn They have diagram. a lot of overlapping symptoms. And yeah. then dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyspraxia, they're in the same circle. And then the two Venn diagrams come together, I guess. So a lot of people have um, like two or more of those things mm-hmm. if they already have one. But I, and I don't know, I don't, I'm, I think I can just say it. I'm going to say it. I think I, I won having ADHD and dyspraxia versus my mm-hmm. poor younger brother having like dyslexia and autism. Cause like having to, you know, overcome like reading being really difficult is, is like really hard. Yeah. Uh, you have to work super hard. Like, you have to work really hard to like build up like the proficiency of like being able to read versus I just got like anime protagonist coded <laughs> like from birth (laughs) it's like oh can someone like hold my hand while I'm walking like (laughs) you're late you're late for school and you have like a piece of bread in your mouth and you just keep Mm -hmm. falling on the way up you're like like, you've got Bella Swan disease you know it is like technically a disability but I feel like Mm. it just makes me charming and endearing versus like (laughs) dyslexia is like very you know it's like it's a hardship um Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. no way that I could compare it but I think um Having gotten a couple different diagnose, diagnoses in my life, I think that, like, the pursuit of a label to diagnose whatever you've got going on is, like, it's, like, secondary, I think. Or, and sometimes, like, mm-hmm. um, people, like, go through that process in, in a reversed way of, like like, searching for a label rather than, like, trying to you know, just, like, get some help or, like, understand, like, what's, what's going on with themselves, and I think it's, it's important to remember that, like, disability labels are just words that we have right now to describe observable behavior, and that they're not, like, fixed things, um, Mm -hmm. and I think that, like, a label or a diagnosis can be helpful if it provides you with some understanding about how to help yourself, if it like opens, you know, institutional like doors for you to get the help that you need, if you need it. Um, But it's also not like, it's not important to have if Mm -hmm. um, those things are not things that you need. Like if you don't need a diagnosis to like, help yourself understand what's going on or to like give you resources. Um, and it doesn't like, like the lack of a diagnosis, then it doesn't mean then that like, there is nothing that you need help with or that you like shouldn't have resources or anything. Um, yeah. and I think that like people have become very fixated on labels. And again, I think this like goes back to this whole validity thing of like, needing a formal diagnosis label in order to like validate um like things that you feel are wrong with you or whatever and I I don't think that that's like a helpful way of looking at anything um and also certainly a lot of people like using diagnosis labels to like excuse or um shield from like accountability for like harm that they've done um mm-hmm. i mean i am probably 
more acquainted with that, having BPD, which um, in addition to my my they pronouns is, I think, another (laughs) anti-accountability title that I hold, you know, like just just like stabs you and then it's like, oh, sorry, I've got BPD. Um, Mm -hmm. That Uh. usually works. But... (laughs) Yeah, I think I think like uh, diagnoses can be really helpful if you're like trying to access institutional support or resources. I don't think that they are important to have, and I think yeah, I mean the more important like, thing is to just like have an awareness of what's going on with yourself, being able to like ask for help when you need it, knowing what that kind of help is. And sometimes a diagnosis is useful in determining those things, but it isn't like contingent on it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it is that like for me, like having a formal ADHD diagnosis um, allows me has allowed me for years to get access to uh, medications. And like because I had that I was fortunate enough to have that diagnosis really early, um, I was able to um like test different medications at a time in my life where like I was young enough to like both bounce back from what was happening to me um, and all the symptoms and everything. And I was also young enough to like, um, like have people around me to kind of um, like advocate for me, at least hopefully in some senses, (laughs) sometimes they didn't obviously. Um, But I think that for me, getting the diagnosis again and um, getting reevaluated did help click a lot of things into place for me of like, okay, like I always had a feeling that I wasn't like, I wasn't fitting in, I wasn't belonging. And I was definitely like taking what was happening to me. Like that was just like normal things every day, like just going to the workplace and having to interact with people I didn't know very well. I was taking that a lot harder than other people were. And I think that that, like, I could tell that that was, like, not normal. Um, and that, like, that finally clicked into place for me. Um, and while I didn't get, like, institutional support, having that diagnosis did allow me to, because um, I spent a lot of time, like, feeling kind of, like, ashamed of even thinking that I was autistic, you know? Not just, like, oh, I'm taking resources away from people, but just, like, genuinely i think up until like kind of recently i think a lot of people felt shame at the idea of the like the autistic label um and so did i frankly um and just having the kind of permission for myself to just be like okay these are the kind of resources that i can look at that are you know written for people who are who are autistic um to help them with certain issues that i was also facing um, and like, it sucks that I, that I had to get a diagnosis to feel that way. And I don't think you, that you should at all. Um, but I will say it was helpful for me in finding my sense of self in the way that I could like, um, you know, like I could, I, I was able to change my perspective and how I, I looked at, uh, the treatment of myself. Like I was really treating myself very, very badly and was giving myself a really, really hard time. Um, Like, I swear to God, like some of the things that I would say to myself um, were things that like, if if someone else said them to me, I'd probably like, like punch them in the face. Like I I was so mean um, 
to the person that I was, who was literally just a person having like, who was really just actively struggling with uh, their like neuroses. So having like a point where I could be like, okay, now I can change the perspective and treat myself with a little more kindness because I realize that like, it's not that it's not that I'm lazy. It's not that I'm like a sociopath. It's not that I'm like um, crazy. It's that like, there's just something um, where my brain is like, like not crossing the right wires. So if I just use the tools made for people who have that same issue, I like I can at least make the steps to go forward and live a hopefully okay life <laughs> uh, from here on out. Um, can I revise so yeah, I my answer? Yeah. Okay, Shoot. so I said that your autism is 60% not a flautism. I'm going to change that to 69% wow. not a flautism. Hell yeah. Yeah. The sex number. Fuck exactly. Yeah, yes. Okay. So I'm going to um, read the next question. I'm very proud of uh-huh. us for taking 30 minutes to answer one question. Uh, well, we're it's personal, valid. you know. We're valid. We can do whatever yeah. we want. Okay. Um, hello, Big Soy Naturals Hotline. I have a long question, and I would like to justify myself by saying you asked for the sort of question I would ask a therapist. The one I ghosted two years ago is currently my abnormal psych professor. It's online, at least. Anyways, my life consists of long periods of trying to keep myself distracted enough to not think about the fact I don't have a sustainable future. But every once in a while, there's a day or two where it's like, oh, right, I'm real. And then I feel bad for not doing enough, becoming someone I never wanted to be and also get hit with the fact that I haven't experienced any form of emotional intimacy in a number of years. Just turned 23, and the above describes the fun breakdown I'm experiencing right now. So I guess my question is like, how do I meet people with compatible, and then in parentheses, pseudo brain damage uh, as me, and not end up losing contact because I'm avoidant? The stock answer is always... Go to open events for meeting people, but those are filled with the type of people that go to events for meeting people. I also (laughs) worry that this is the written equivalent of that customer in customer service jobs that complains to you in detail about their divorce, but you literally can't walk away from them. So if you skip or cherry pick the questions, that might be better. LMAO. Lastly, I started reading Intercourse, and it's very good. I haven't gotten far because I have university and poorly medicated ADHD. Cool. Uh, But from what I've read, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, If you couldn't tell, I absolutely do not fuck, and the work still (laughs) resonates with me, so my experience supports the validity of Dworkin's work. Uh, if you read this far, thank you both for quality podcasting and actually reading that far. Thank you. Wishing okay. you all the best. Uh, First of all, Anon, you're delightful. Um, I I had I was tickled pink reading this question. Thank you so much. I um, read it. <laughs> I well, I just I just you heard me it read with it. You. Yeah. Okay. Credit credit me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, well I, think, I had first I of all, Pink listening to Cerise. Thank you. <laughs> read this question. I think that they're right that, like, yeah. I would never tell someone to go to fucking meetups. Oh, no. That's where no. you meet dorks. They're terrible. Why would you oh, want to time, be friends with dorks? Every time, like, like someone used to, like, whenever, uh, when senior year of high, sc- high school, I remember they had people come to, like, who are like alumni come talk to us about like what it's like to be in college people are like the best way to make friends is to like go to club meetings and like but that's or, i mean like, that's even like in college but like yeah. especially meetups for, for people adults. like outside of college yeah. is so Post-grad. i don't i'm not a joiner i don't no. I don't join things because they're Look. full of dorks, um, and I do fuck. Um, so there's yeah. hope for you. Don't don't worry. You don't have to go to dork events um, mm-hmm. in in order to have friends and get laid. And I'm so sorry that anyone would ever say that to you. Um, I okay. So there's there's multiple parts. <laughs> to this question Uh i think i think maybe the first is is like i don't know how do you like not feel overwhelmed by like the state of the world when you're trying Mm -hmm. to go out and have fun and i think that you kind of you just have to i don't know i'm i don't think that i get overwhelmed in this way because I have really firmly committed myself to like a practice of optimism, which is Mm -hmm. like easier said than done. But I think that like knowing that it is like that, that being hopeful is not like an intrinsic thing that like is just a part of me, but is something that I've had to work on throughout time because I want to be a kind of person who is able to like, successfully organized and like create change and you can't be like that when you're like dire and dismal all the time and Mm -hmm. so like forcing myself to like cut myself off when I am like being um cynical um and like just not like allowing myself to spiral into thinking that everything is bad because it's not helpful or useful and I want to be both of those things um I think rather than like going to like meetups for dorks um Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think well I I just I would I would never I think that like Mm -hmm. getting involved in some kind of like community organizing um is a like a really good way to make yourself feel less crazy about like the state of the world because it takes whatever problems you're noticing and it brings them down to like more of a micro level um and it like gives you some practical things that you can like address in your real life like the advice that Frida gave in um are like a couple episodes ago of like being in a mutual aid group or something where you're like mm-hmm. starting a garden or whatever, like doing something like that, where it's like, Oh, the, the problem is like that we like don't have like that, that like maybe, yeah, maybe you're um, like working in like a food, not bombs or something. Right. And so like the problem that you're trying to address is that uh, like there isn't a, a space for people to have like, 
good good meals um and that like there's people that are going hungry in the city that you're living in or something and so then you get to like address that in a real way by like doing things um like a couple times a week or once a week or something um and I feel like doing things like that really are are helpful for like making me feel less crazy yeah I think that that's a really important outlook on it I think also like you you say in this question like you feel bad for not doing enough that you personally feel like you don't have a sustainable future and you're like becoming someone you never want to be let me tell you like you said you're 23 um I'm 27 are you gonna you're gonna be like you're young no 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 you don't know anything no 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 I'm saying I felt exactly the same way at 23 and I'll be honest with you like it it's the like it's gotten better as I've gotten older but like the feeling doesn't always go away and I've still had like a lot of like even just recently like I've had a lot of like like existential spirals of just like I'm not doing enough I'm not being like who I want to be and like uh, I don't even know who that is anymore and like da 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 like it that feeling um is not something that like is just like a part of your youth um but I will say like it gets easier um the more you start uh literally cutting yourself some slack like I think that um there's a lot like when you say things like I'm not doing enough I'm not who I want to be um and I'm like wasting time like you're you're thinking I think in a mindset that you know just to be tough on you for a second I think is like um just like plain old not helpful and can feel really like it it looks really inward and it's very navel gazing and I mean this in like the nicest way possible that like I I can see how like that's just hurting yourself further and I think like even just um getting solitary time with yourself I know it sounds like I'm saying touch grass but I really mean it when I say like when you go outside when you walk around when you are by yourself doing something in a space where you are not the only one like around you can at least start getting a feeling of like I know I sound like your mother I know just being like have you tried yoga? Like, go outside. But like, <laughs> I do think that like when like when I'm a, whenever I'm in the space of like everything's hopeless, like there's no future. If I can't immediately get to like a, an organizing event or a, or like go plant a garden with a mutual aid fund, the best thing I can do for myself is walk around and realize, oh, the world isn't immediately blowing up. <laughs> in you know front what's of me. better than yoga? What? Is going to the club. <laughs> Getting on ecstasy. Yeah, I have to get on ecstasy. No, I'm serious. I'm Whenever I'm down, which I, is not really that often anymore, um, but even when I'm, when I'm feeling a little bit down, like if my instinct is like, oh, I want to go wallow in my room and be sad, I instead put on an outfit, leave my house, go to a party, which I know, you know, like, we're living in a fucking pandemic or whatever. You could put on a mask and go to a party if you want. You could go to a party outside. But I mm-hmm. think that just, like, listening to music that's, like, faster than 120 BPM. This is the other thing about sad people, okay? You're all listening to sad music. 
stop mm-hmm. doing that. <laughs> you gotta start listening to break cork, like going yeah. 100 miles an hour. Like, <laughs> you have to listen to fast music when you're sad because it, then you won't be no sad anymore. No more slow dive. The yoga people, like at, in yoga, they are also listening to slow music. And that's mm-hmm. why it doesn't work. It, why, it's why it doesn't fix your depression. Because you're hearing the Enya and it's just going too slow. And then you're alone with your thoughts again. The music needs to be faster. Um, also, I don't know if you do anything. Uh, which I mean nicely, I think. Um but I have found, like, when, when I felt worse, like, th- the worst I have felt about myself is, like, when I was, like, not doing anything that I felt like I could be proud of. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to, like, start doing things when you're unhappy with yourself and when you don't feel like you're, like, doing anything that is, like, worth anything. But uh, just just, like, starting to do stuff, like, thinking about okay, if I was, like, the kind of person that was feeling better about myself, what would that person be doing? And then just, like, trying to do some of those things, which I think maybe sounds very vague. For me, that was, like, making music um, and, like, writing more and hanging out more with my friends um, Mm -hmm. and wearing outfits and going to parties and they can be like things you know those like are things that I yeah that I don't want to do when I'm not yeah feeling good about myself but mm-hmm. like the less that I do of any of those things like the worse I feel and so just like forcing myself to do the kinds of things that I feel like a like a happier version of me would be doing is like it one does way trick you that it into works like yeah <laughs> into, into just I, I do I will say like whenever I'm feeling really like in the pits and then I come on here and I do the podcast I do feel better um <laughs> oh and do I is it me it, it's is it you. me okay it's you. so that's actually the final piece of advice is yeah you know like just listen to big story natural <laughs> no no just listen to ours um on repeat because I know that we don't have that many episodes out so like it's okay. You can just keep listening to them. Um. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just think that like, um, you should get, you should, you should really cut yourself a break. Um, the, like the idea that you need to be doing enough, like I'm, I'm doing the math here and like, it sounds like you're like post-grad and like, I'm, I'm telling well, you right now. 23 like yeah. was a terrible year for me. Oh, terrible. But it was, it was, a, it was a good it. year for, do you know that's a 12th house year in astrology? So oh. it's like um, kind of kind of notably a, a terrible year for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah. But I, I had like a difficult time when I was 23 because mm-hmm. I think I was like, I had some pretty lofty ideas about what I wanted to be doing. And I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't really do most of those things. Um, and it, it and it was rough, but like through just sheer like tenacity and uh, like n- not like like my friends not letting me wallow too much. Eventually, I was able to do 
the things that I needed to do that like got me set up to be happier at like 24 and 25. So like shit sucks. It'll probably mm-hmm. be okay though. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that like you shouldn't worry about like uh, doing enough with your life at 23. Um, and right now you should worry about um, going to creating parties, a stronger. Well, I was gonna say creating a stronger outfits. foundation for yourself to eventually um, come to a, a more solid conclusion about who you are. Like, if I were just because you, you graduated go... college doesn't mean you found yourself yet, or just because you got past a certain point of your, you know, early adulthood. In any if way. I were you, I would go online shopping and <laughs> just buy outfits. I've, I, you can cure depression with enough good outfits and with going mm-hmm. to parties. I genuinely feel that way. It's very hard to feel sad when you take a song and then you night court it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to um, yeah, do the I'll next the question? Next, I'll ask the next question. Um... Hi, Thick Soy Naturals. Um, I don't know how to separate sex and intimacy in my brain, and I keep catching feelings for people after hooking up. I either have to make them love me or detach completely. How do I become a normal human being? Thank you. Hmm. Okay. Easy. Don't. (laughs) I mean, like, do it. No, actually, like, I don't think that you need to. I think mm-hmm. that, like, um, sex is, like, an intimate thing. I think mm-hmm. for some people, it can be an intimate thing that doesn't have to involve, like, a relationship or having strong feelings. For other people, like, maybe it does. Like, maybe it's something that's really meaningful to you and that, like, you only want to share with someone that you're really close with. And that's okay, too. I think, like, both of those ways of approaching sex are completely fine, as long as you're not, like, projecting it onto other people is, like, the right way to be. And I think you can, like, cut yourself some slack and be like, I know this about myself, and then just not have, like, sex with people that you feel are, like, not going to be open to having it mean something more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Yeah, and even even if that something more is, like, you you still never see them again, you know, at least you've, you've both acknowledged that this was intimate and this was an intimate moment. I feel like that's the difference. Like, you're saying you have to either make them love you or detach completely, and I think that that's, like, uh, it's a false choice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's fine. Yeah, they're fine. It's fine to do, but like I feel like you're 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 phrasing this as like something that you don't want to do anymore. Like either choice. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong that, with you if you yeah. don't like if you don't want to have uh, like casual sex or like yeah. sex that doesn't mean something deeper. Not everyone. Mm-hmm wants to do that and really it's like it's really okay um Mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't affect the way that you treat other people and I think that the better thing to do is to just like be honest about this part of yourself with the people that you're having sex with 
so that maybe they can let you know like what their approach to sex is and then you can decide whether or not you want to do anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. easy yeah, like so once again, easy once again, <laughs> se- se- like i think we've 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 talked about this in our patreon series which you know you know, patreon.com slash big, big soy naturals. Um, give us $25 <laughs> per episode. A month. Um, per episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, you do not need to be separating sex and intimacy. If anything, it's probably worse for you personally. Um, if you separate the two, I think the, the issue is where you're defining intimacy with another person. Um, yeah, and, it, and if someone doesn't love you after, it's not a rejection of you. And I think that, no. like, that can maybe be where some people get tripped up is, like, that they need this other person to have really strong feelings for them after. Or that there's intimacy wrong equals, with like, them. commitment in some way. Yeah, and, like, yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with you if someone isn't, like, feeling that when, like, you're done hooking up with them or something. Because, like, people are just in different places in their life. Not everyone's ready for a relationship or like is is ready to like be in love and that doesn't mean that they like don't like you or didn't enjoy the time that they had with you so i think my advice is respectfully get out of your own head a little bit calm mm-hmm. down yeah and i mean that nicely calm down yeah okay calm down we have another question Hi, this is Vagina Bones, private investigator, aka Catholic climate activist. I'm a longtime caller, first-time listener, and my question is, which of Jesus' disciples was the messiest? And you can't say Judas, because he obviously was the weakest. Thank you so much, but not really, because I hate this podcast. See you in court. Okay. Great question. I know that you are more than a first time listener, but nice try. This is one of our (laughs) favorite people, one of my favorite Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Also, probably Mm -hmm. one of Kendall's favorite people, but I would like it to be said that they're one of my favorite people. Okay. Um, (laughs) And I think that this is a question for me. I know some Mm -hmm. things about theology, and I think that there's a couple answers. Do you know nothing? I know that one of them was named Paul. <laughs> that's that's true. One of them was named Paul. Um, okay, so I I yeah I think I think that there's a couple potential answers to this question. One could be John John the Baptist, and I think the reason for that that I think he's kind of messy is that as as we all know. There are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And each of them Mm -hmm. kind of tell the same stories of, like, what Jesus was up to. Um, But only in the Gospel of John is John referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved the most or Jesus's favorite disciple, which I think is very messy because that is the Gospel that he wrote. And so he's describing himself as Jesus's favorite, but no one else is saying that about him. Um, I think the other option would be Thomas, uh, also known as Doubting Thomas, because he was a fake-ass friend. Like, Jesus came back from the dead, and he showed up to all of his homies hanging out, crying over him being dead, and he was like, hey, I'm back. 
And Thomas was like, no way. This is not you. You're an <laughs> imposter. Like, you're fake. So, like, I don't believe you. And he's like, no, I'm right here. It's me, your pal Jesus, who does miracles. Why don't you believe me? And he's <laughs> like, there's no way that it could be you. And so he has to show Thomas, like, his, you know, uh, um, his stigmata, like, his, his holes on his hands and his feet mm-hmm. um, before Thomas believes him. And then he's like, oh, okay, there's no way that you could fake that. So mm-hmm. I guess that's you. And I think that that's, like, pretty messy because it's, like, just believe oh, yeah. your friends. Like, mm-hmm. why do you need them to prove stuff to you? I lie to my friends all the time and they never call me out on it because it's that's true. what friends are for. <laughs> <laughs> I won't until our season two feud. Um. No. <laughs> do you want to get the next one? Yeah, I'll get the next one. This one's this one's a problem. Hello, mentors. I, I'd also appreciate some advice if you have any. My boyfriend of less than two years is a big That's Hassan fan. Oh, That's the sign for greater than, yeah. See? There goes my dyscalculia. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a symbol and not a number. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, it applies still. Uh, <laughs> my boyfriend of more than two years is a big Hassan fan and calls himself a leftist slash feminist, etc., but sometimes he uses his patriarchal power over me and doesn't see fault in it. We have expressed wanting to spend our lives together, but I have doubts when he refuses to take any criticism or entertain my point of view. Uh, Do you have any advice for how to express my discomfort with his occasional closed-mindedness in a way he'll listen? My advice... its A man should never call himself a leftist. Yeah. Um, All all. leftists should be thrown out the window. (laughs) And also, I don't think a man should ever call himself a feminist because it's sort of like, well, okay, I I can't say it's sort of like calling yourself. It's like giving yourself a nickname. Like if you, right, if you, if you like go out somewhere and you say, oh, everyone calls me champ. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's not right. Like you should wait for other people to call you champ because you're yeah. a winner. So yeah, I think a man calling himself a feminist is a mistake because they, he mm-hmm. should be waiting for other people to say that about him. Yeah. Yeah. It's not his place to label himself a feminist. Um, I, I see that you say he doesn't just refuse to take criticism, but entertain your point of view. Um, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> he sounds like he sucks. I'm sorry. But, like, I have very little patience for uh, tomfoolery, for shenanigans, and for a man saying, well, actually, to me. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, don't know, I think babe. you got to break up with this man. I think yeah. that's the advice. I also... <laughs> We don't. I mean, the problem is that like this is the kind of shit that neither of us would put up with at all. Um, I see no reason to be patient. Um, you know, I people. I had in my youth when I was mm-hmm. younger because I went to a very I I was from a very very conservative mm-hmm. like area. Um, mm-hmm. South Jersey is like unlike anywhere else in the United States, I think what people think the South is, which is not true, is is actually what South Jersey is like. 
I had someone at a restaurant that I was working at tell me that I was a credit to my race um, at one point. So like that was Mm. the kind of place that I grew up in. Um, And so when I left that part of the world, I was very impressed with people who like said stuff that now I would consider to be more like bare minimum, maybe maybe could go without saying kind of things. Um, because I, I had not really heard anyone express those things like ever in my life, um, without me like having to teach it to them first. And it took me a while before I was like, oh, no, no, no. Sometimes like people who are shitty will use, um, you know, radical beliefs as like a cover mm-hmm. to disguise themselves from being shitty. Um, so I would say that it's not that I would never put up with anything like this, but that no. I have since learned that sometimes like you if someone is calling themselves a feminist but then is not treating you in a way that is like aligned with the values of feminism then it doesn't really matter what they call themselves and I don't think that you can do anything ever to like influence someone's actions towards you like you can tell them like hey the way that you respond to me doesn't make me feel good but after that like how they behave is kind of up to them and I don't think that you can do anything more to like get them to be a different way it's the doesn't see fault in it that's the key wording here to me is that like it's clear from this question that you have expressed to him multiple times or at least even just once that you feel devalued by the way he talks to you um, and he doesn't see the problem with talking to you that way uh and i don't know if if you don't get it the first time when are you gonna get it you know like it's just like if if i'm not saying that like people don't have a learning curve and blah 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 but like more that if a if a person that you want to spend you have expressed that you want to spend the rest of your life with is telling you i feel devalued by the way that you talk to me um and you don't see a problem with um a person you love feeling hurt by your actions um yeah i don't know i don't know what's what what your fate is but it's certainly not good um and i think you should dump him we i try really hard to avoid that advice on here why man sheesh because i just think it's like it's not helpful i think a lot of people when they get that advice if they're not already ready to dump someone like it just it it's not like I feel like a lot of, like, not all the time, but a lot of the time, they're not ready to receive that. Um, or, like, they just feel like I'm wrong, you know? Um, so I try to avoid it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think you should it's them, so babe. It's so easy to find a leftist boyfriend. It you is. You could find another one. You could throw a rock and hit one right I suppose it, it maybe does come off as, like, cavalier and Mm -hmm. i think and ending a long-term relationship is hard and you know what are are we besides just two podcasters that are geniuses (laughs) but i think if if you are asking two podcasters what to do about your relationship (laughs) you're ready (laughs) you gotta get out of there (laughs) that was your first sign first red flag don't ask us well, no, I mean, I think it's like if you're if you're setting out to be like, 
what, what do I do? I love him so much, but he uh, annoys the shit out of me and he murdered my mom. What do I do? Um, <laughs> Would you put murdering someone's mom like akin to listening to Hassan? Because yes. I probably would. I'm not yes. going to get into it ever on no. this podcast because it's not my story to share, but I have some personal beef with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's all I have to say about that. But he's, yep. he's annoying to me. Um, mm. And also just, like, not very smart. I think that someone who is, like, yeah, he's calling themselves a leftist, right, which doesn't mean anything, and, again, sh- they should be thrown out the window just for saying that, like when you then ask them like oh who do you look up to they should be naming like authors and not streamers (laughs) maybe some people who are dead who can't uh who have no potential to get a twitch stream Mm -hmm. so they're just like they're like that option is out the window already uh when you're naming twitch streamers as like the basis for your political id i don't know i'm feeling I'm feeling a certain way about you. I don't feel like you've you've got a a very, like. Uh, oh, except for me. Except for yeah. You can name me as yeah, a you streamer can name that that you look up to, and you should check out twitch.tv slash clout dynasty because we're back, baby. I think it's fine, and if we like, do politics there in, in the loosest sense of the word. If in combination, if like you were like I. Like, I really, like, identify with the works of, like, Angela Davis and Karl Marx and Big Soy Naturals. Like, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. But if you're, like, the I was a Nazi and then I decided to listen to a Twitch stream where a man yelled about bitches but in a respectful way. Um, <laughs> and suddenly I a became a leftist. Who sees the letters AOC... And thinks that they stand for age of consent. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. He's listening to too many streamers. Oh my god. Oh. I hate you. Anyway. <laughs> what do you mean? I think that's good <laughs> advice. Is it bad advice? No, it's just a bad visual. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, so we have, like, another sort of relationship kind of question, which, again, you know, if you're coming to two podcasters asking what do I do about my relationship, I'm I'm telling you, as much as I would like you to keep asking us questions so that we can mm-hmm. For content, you know. content material, like, maybe you already know what you want. Um, but this this one reads, on your last hotline episode, you said not to grill someone on their politics if you like them because it will come up naturally. And if you have different beliefs that make you incompatible, that will show up on its own time too. My problem is my girlfriend doesn't have any issues with my beliefs and she's very supportive of me, but she's not really an interesting person to talk to about history or politics or organizing because it's not an interest of her own. How do I get her to care about these things as much as I do? It's really the only thing missing from our relationship. I tried by showing her some queer history things since that seemed like a natural starting point, but she still doesn't really care that much. How do I make her care or should I give up on this? Mm. Um, I think that you can't. I think that if she's supportive, but, and, and like, 
doesn't get into arguments with you based on like your beliefs that you're sharing with her then clearly she doesn't have enough you know she doesn't have a problem with it and like isn't trying to change you or like doesn't feel like it's incompatible with her but some people like just are kind of like apathetic politically and maybe something will like change later on in their life that makes them feel differently but I don't think that you can get someone to change really about anything Mm -hmm. and I think that the question then becomes like how important are these beliefs to you like how important is it to you to have someone that you can like talk about what is important to you with like can you get that from other people and it doesn't matter to you if you're like girlfriend isn't involved or are you going to feel like something is missing always if like nothing changes I think personally for me like that wouldn't work for me because I like to talk I like to talk about like the things that I care about with my partner um I think for us for other people it like doesn't matter as much um and I think it really it really like probably just depends on how important and central like these beliefs and living them out are to you um yeah and and your lifestyle in particular you know like are you like is is organizing and mutual aid and uh like just getting involved in pol in you know politics and social justice is that like a foundational core to like your to a to like a big part of your life are you going to be doing that a lot and do you need someone who's going to be not just supportive but at least interested in yeah or like people that you can like share like thoughts that you have with and like get get them to like work those thoughts out with you or you know so I I think it's yeah the issue is like you know obviously like politics and social justice are are an issue that like comes from a very like deep and central place within you in particular it seems like from this question um and I think when someone is supportive but doesn't care about um generally about like politics or social justice as much as you do it feels like they're treating you like how I treat my spouse when they talk about magic gathering you know I'm supportive and I'm listening um but playing makes me feel like I uh like I like I gotta go (laughs) like like uh it playing makes me feel very bored um like I I don't know I feel I feel like it's it's tough because like I feel like once again just like like for me politics and social justice are like a a central part like of my like interests and a part of like my life um and it feels like it should be applicable to everyone I guess when you're like so when you're like in a relationship with someone you're politics should be compatible but um like it's not just that they're not it's not really that they're not compatible it's that like you are political and she is not um and that's a tough spot to be in like I'm sorry (laughs) but yeah once again it's really just about like uh how important it is to you to have someone to share that with yeah I think that you have to give up on the idea that they're going to become more interested over time um like maybe maybe she will Maybe she won't, but I think if you're, like, staying in a relationship that you feel 
is unfulfilling because of this thing and you're staying in it thinking like, oh, this is going to change later, it might not. And I think that you like do yourself and the other person a, a disservice by like staying in a relationship with someone that you're not happy with as, as they are and hoping that they're going to change because people don't. Um, and I, I think that that's just something that you have to either make your peace with or, or like if it is genuinely a problem for you, then you gotta, you gotta cut them loose. Um, and there are other girlfriends out there also. Just like oh, yeah. leftist boyfriends are a dime a dozen. Maybe girlfriends are not quite as a dime a dozen, but there are there are other girlfriends there out are other there. Girlfriends. There are other girlfriends. There are other girlfriends. Yeah, I'll do the next read the question. next question. Uh, let's do this one. What are your opinions on therapy? Is it worth it? I feel like I've heard Cerise say it's a scam. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I have I said mean, that probably. Probably. Um, I think that th- like a lot of therapists are quacks. I think yeah. that uh, all the people on the internet who are like, mm, but does he go to therapy? I think all of that's like a bourgeois affect. Um, like, I, I don't know. I think this, like, fixation on, like, someone needing to be in therapy is, like, a sign that they're working on themselves is, like, okay, I'm glad that you have an extra $100 a week, but mm. that doesn't really mean anything to me, and mm. I don't think that, like, being in or out is a sign of, of anything in and of itself. Um, I think... I also think a lot of therapists are bunk. Yeah. Like, they're just people, and they don't always know what they're talking about, like, they studied psychology, which is a fake field of science. <laughs> You're it's, being very inflammatory on this one. Well, <laughs> I deserve, mean, I, but still. I would rank psychology above evolutionary biology, mm-hmm. but below many other fields of science. And I think That's true. that- I respect a therapist more than I respect Richard Dawkins. Yeah, and I think that sometimes people do really good and helpful things with it, and I think also sometimes people use it to be, like, fucking racist and, like, annoying. Anti-accountability um, practice, you know? Yeah. Um, my experience with therapy uh, has been pretty mixed. I think that as someone that has, like, BPD, which I think is a diagnosis that is very scary to other people because they're like, oh no, is this bitch going to cause problems? And I'm like, I might. Um, <laughs> a lot of the therapy for people with BPD is like geared around like protecting other people from you rather than like trying to help you address like problems within yourself and like helping you feel better at like better equipped to like be in the world. Um, and I think it takes, like, some time if it's something that matters to, like, if you're a person with BPD to, like, find a therapist that is going to actually be be helpful rather than just, like, trying to protect you from other people. So I would say it's, like, a scam all the time. I have also found therapy to be helpful sometimes. Um, but I think it is a scam sometimes. And I think that if you're, like going to therapy and you're feeling like it's not doing anything you might be right like maybe it isn't doing anything mm-hmm. um and maybe think... you need to find another one or maybe you don't need to be in it i don't think yeah. that 
everyone needs to be in therapy perpetually all the time in order to be like mentally well. And I think that that's like a weird um, idea that's been like kind of pushed on people lately. And it's like, I, I think also, okay, I have, I have a lot of like anti-therapy sentiment um, when I was a bit younger because I was broke and Mm -hmm. I did not have a hundred dollars a week to spend on talking to someone about my problems, which were mostly that I was broke. (laughs) And, and I felt very, very worried that like, if I did go to someone to talk to about problems that I was having and they helped me, but I needed them around to continue like having that help. And then I didn't have the money to pay for therapy that I would be like, completely adrift and so I was very very opposed to like going to see someone to like help me work through anything because I was like I don't know what's Mm -hmm. gonna happen to me like if I run out of money um which I think like is 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 a valid fear because like if you live in the United States uh healthcare is very expensive and I think that like Sometimes pursuing therapy is not going to be the most helpful thing in order to, like, help you get out of the, mm-hmm. like, stressful situation that you're in. But I wouldn't say that it is a scam all the time. I have also found therapy to be, like, helpful. So, yeah, I would the say answer I, is maybe. I also, I also have had a mixed bag with therapy. Um, the problem that I have had very often with therapy is, like, well, first of all, is that, like, in the United States, at least, um, cause I don't know about british people um or anyone else but uh i know here at least like the two main like practices of therapy like go from the schools of thought of like cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy okay yeah cbt is like, fucked yeah. up cbt is no, fucked you. up it's it's if you it's were doing ass. cbt and you like They're it like, like good for you but it's fucked up it's fucked up it's like literally like they say like oh it's the best like therapy for like adhd it's like maybe for like an eight-year-old who like needs to learn how to do their homework um on time with a planner but for like an adult who's like i feel completely um adrift and worthless because i feel like i uh my like i feel like so much self-hatred because of my disability or whatever they're just like "Mm, have you tried like doing 40 of these workbooks that are so unbelievably boring that like your brain is hardwired to switch off when you look at them um and i'm like no deborah thank you for that and dbt um which is also useless <laughs> which is also annoying and yeah useless. i think dbt was like formulated for people with bpd so i'm pretty familiar with that mm-hmm. i like definitely i i actually like because it's kind of a curse. It's sort of a, yeah. a, a curse from a trickster god to have BPD <laughs> because it gives you this like intense fear, right? That everyone that you love actually secretly hates you mm-hmm. and is going to leave. And then it makes you like want to do insane things like to, mm-hmm. to prevent people from leaving and to like retaliate against them for hating you that then actually is the thing that pushes people away. And so you're in your head going like, ah, like I'm going to push people away. And then, Mm -hmm. and then you go do it because Mm -hmm. of the thing that's making you worry that you're going to push people away. So like I was, I was pretty, 
interested when I when I was first diagnosed in like managing it I could not afford to go to therapy I did a lot of workbooks on my own to try to like get my shit together I found it to be helpful sometimes I also found it to be incredibly condescending and like big time not much of it was helpful for me internally but was helpful for like managing my behavior towards other people so Mm -hmm. like I don't know all of that to say like therapy is like whatever I think it can be good it can be bad I had a lot of experiences with uh therapists who like that like a lot of therapists like are neurotypical (laughs) um treating people who are neurodivergent okay can Um, I say something can I say yeah. this? Yeah. I feel like therapists are like people that listen to true crime podcasts a lot of the time. Yes. Yes. No, really. Because like so many of They're them like, have like no material. With they have no material understanding lines. of like your um your like perspective in the world and how it how it treats you. Um like so almost all the time they they put all the emphasis on you to fix certain things that might even just be out of your control um like that was at least my experience with cbt and and a lot of the time they they tend to frame it as if like when you're saying like i feel like i like you were saying with like bpd they're like it's it's about protecting other people from you and it's very similar with like um with me it was like a lot of like them kind of framing me as like almost like narcissistic (laughs) like as if i I had a problem like identifying with the emotions of other people because like I was self-centered and not because like I just cog- I just could not understand what they were trying to communicate to me and that was a real negative experience I've had with uh therapy. That said, I have had like some really helpful experiences especially from therapists that um have like a more material understanding of like what I go through in my day-to-day life as someone who is like on the spectrum who has ADHD people who um have those similar things as well but also have like a litany of professional tools that have helped me gain a better understanding of myself um so yeah it's a it's a total mixed bag and it's uh, the unfortunate part about it in the U.S. is that you're going to have to go through like several different people before you find the right person um and like yeah i <laughs> it, and like you're going to you're going to spend another like couple hundred dollars trying to get that done so yeah i don't know i wouldn't call it a scam all the time but um i say you know it's, it's better own- than therapy is like getting money yeah being rich. <laughs> I mean, I mean, truly no, because I used to be like, I'm I'm so mentally well now. I'm like, my brain is just working on the highest level that it that it ever has. I used to not be this way. Um, but really, what changed my life was making $50,000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything just started looking up after that. It really um, did. Yeah. Like, so that's what I would recommend mm-hmm. uh, above therapy. If you can do that is to get $50,000. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, 
I hope that you can find a good therapist if that's something that yeah. you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I have, I'm going to read the next question. Okay. All right. Here's one that you can't really weigh in on, Kendall. Yep. Um, I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> Cerise mentioned on one of the earlier episodes that they don't date white people as a rule, but that they used to. I'm also black, and I wondered what got you to come to that conclusion. Sometimes I feel like I should stop dating white people, but then I worry that I'm limited, limiting myself. Okay, number one, it's anti-black to think that you're limiting yourself. <laughs> By excluding white people from your dating pool, like, what the fuck is it that white people can give you that black people can't? I'm sorry. Um, I mean that nicely, I suppose. But like, that's, I, it's a weird way of framing that question. Um, like, limiting yourself from what? Like, potato salad? Cards Against um, Humanity. Yeah, I, I, uh, nothing traumatic or terrible happened to me to make me decide that I didn't want to date white people and it wasn't like I was exclusively doing that and then stopped but just that I had uh moved to Washington state (laughs) (laughs) and you have to kind of make a decision that you don't want to date white people um to avoid it if you're living there um it's like Seattle's it's like ethnostate vibes over there mm-hmm. um it's the ma- majority of the dating pool um but I, I think it was just like I um like my my blackness is like a very important thing to me um it's something that matters a lot in my life it's not something that I want to bring white people along for and is also something that would be difficult for me to to do that with and uh I just like enjoy it more when I get to be in relationships with other black people because they can relate um to me in a way that white people can't and also then I don't have to feel like embarrassed when I'm traveling to South Africa to go to like an African wedding or something and I have to bring my white partner there and then they have to dress up in traditional clothing or something and it's like this is you know it's just it's embarrassing for me um also like I I obviously I love my dad and he is white it's one of the points against him um <laughs> but I do I do love him but I um Poor have Paul noticed took an L on that one <sighs> yeah and he would agree with me um mm-hmm. it's not one of his finer traits but I have noticed, like, in my life that uh, that he had to cut ties with a lot of uh, his own family members and people that he grew up with in order to, like, not expose me and uh, the rest of my family to, like, racism. And I think that I just don't want to... Oh, yeah, okay, when when you date white people and you have to meet their family... Oof. Sorry, Kendall. The families are bad. Like it's get true. out! My family's bad. <laughs> <laughs> you met my Is, family. Did you have a good time? <laughs> I will not be answering that question until I've spoken with my lawyers. Um, I yeah, and also like it, yeah, it's it's just um, even if someone is really cool, you never know what their family is gonna be like. I was served milk soup once <gasps> visiting no. a white a white friend's what? family. 
What is the uh, recipe for milk soup? It's like what warm, goes in that? warm milk. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think there was potato in there. <laughs> it was not good. I hate this. Um, this is not someone that I dated, but it was a, it is a friend of mine. And I went to their parents' house and they made milk soup and I was staying the night. And they were like, if you get hungry, there's... There's more soup and there's also more milk in the fridge. <laughs> I would go into witness protection if my family served anyone I was, milk soup. I was, was so hungry because I didn't <laughs> eat. Uh, so I don't know. It's just it's just about like what I want to prioritize in my life. Um, you can do whatever you want, but I think that you should think about what you just said because mm-hmm. I think you've got some <laughs> internalized anti-blackness to work through. Kendall, what do you think? Would you what make the think? decision to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think? You told me to sit this out. Uh-huh. I think. Well, what was your reasoning for only dating people with blue eyes? Like, what made you come to that conclusion? That never happened. I dated many people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I dated many people with blue and brown and sometimes green and purple eyes oh, <laughs> purple yeah they had alexandria's genesis disorder uh, okay god um i think Listeners, it's fine please note that kendall is refusing to weigh in on this question i think it is fine to not want to date white people if you are okay. not white there you go that's is it the fine same- to want to record your podcast without any white people present You've done that before, and I've been fine with it, and then I edit it for you. <laughs> so you sat I, your white ass down and listened. <laughs> I did. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, so I think it's fine. And you're not limiting yourself. Believe me, I know plenty of white people, and you, mm-hmm. you, you will not be missing out. Don't feel. FOMO I also just like I. I can't really date them. I can't date them because I can't stop myself from bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's what true. I the do, pe- t- and the people in Seattle do not. Uh, it's not that they don't take kindly to your bullying. It's that they don't. They treat it with, well, I'm not, with I'm not too much in, sincerity. They like lie in down Seattle like a rug anymore. But but yeah, definitely the ones there when you bully them, they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize <laughs> for racism." Baby, do you need any reparations for me? <laughs> Here's um, five dollars. Yeah, but I just, it's like, I would not be able to stop myself. And mm-hmm. it, would, it would become excessive, and it, and it has been excessive every time I've done it. Um, and sometimes I will just get into, I'll start an argument um, where I'm wrong. And then when they try to argue with me, I'm like, well, you're white. So what do you know? And it won't even be about anything to do with race. And then you like, (laughs) (laughs) and they'll be like, oh, oh." (laughs) it's just, it's just easier for me to not have to do any of that. Um, I think we have time for one more. I can choose. Uh, Okay. Let's go. Okay. Dear Cerise and Kendall. I'm in high school, and it fucking sucks. Wow. How old are our listeners? Uh, it, well, 
it is my sophomore year and I'm just biding mm. my time until I get out of here. Any tips for surviving it? I want to scream every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am already halfway out, but it's literally dragging on and I do not know how I'm going to make it through two more years of this. Hello, Ebony. How old Darkness are Dementia Raven Way. <laughs> How old are our listeners? How old are they? God, 15 or 16, it seems like. I'm so sorry. What are you getting out of this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all the moms out there who have to listen to this in the I'm car. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I bet that they like it. And this is educational content. This is this is um, a, this is educational content. Okay, I do. You did know, you I've, have a good high school experience? No. no? no Were you not biding your time until you got out of there? I was biding my time. The best way. Okay, this is gonna. That, no, I'm not saying that. That's inappropriate. <laughs> well, they're already listening to you the podcast what? called Big yeah. Soy Naturals. Here's like, this is personal experience. This is not advice. The way mm-hmm. I got through it was by having group sex with my friends oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> just kidding uh i mean not the group sex part of, that did happen um it did okay yeah i i'll say i barely got through it man like i was mm-hmm. i like since like the beginning of my life i had been clawing my way to becoming an adult and being understood by people who were not in high school um i like re- I, I I like I don't have any friends left over from high school. Um, I really like kind of cut it out of my life as soon as I got out. And I do regret it in a lot of ways. I regret le- losing some of the people um, that I was friends with in high school. Um, I do miss some of them very, very much. Um, but at the same time, like, yeah, the way I survived was like learning to give even less of a fuck than I already did um, was just truly uh, like, I like, I think you can fall into a trap when you're younger of like feeling all, like uh, especially when you're like either an outcast or just, you feel like you're, you're like uh, really struggling with just the high school experience and high school culture um, to believe like well once you get out you're gonna be like fucking ladybird and you're gonna be so above all of these people and that's not like the right mindset for you to be taking I think the best way you can think of it is just like one day and it will be soon and it feels like two years is, an, is like another eternity um, you will be understood and you will be seen for who you are um by people who want to be around you and aren't just there um, because they are also in the same location (laughs) that you are in. Um, I had a great time in high school. (laughs) I had, I mean, I had so many friends. They're all still my friends. Um, And I think the way, what I did that made high school fun for me that is also probably like bad advice for a teenager, but I was a teenager when I was doing this, is to do antics and <laughs> cause problems on purpose. So mm-hmm. when I when I was in high school, maybe this is key. Hopefully your parents are really old and they go to sleep early. Mm-hmm. I was sneaking out every day (laughs) and uh, I lived in New Jersey, which I was like a 35 train minute ride away from Philly. 
It's like an hour or so, like, train ride away from New York. I got a fake ID, and I would take the train to the city. This was before even I had, like, a cell phone. And so, I like, if something happened to me, I just would have been too bad, I guess. Um, but take the train into the city, either one, depending on what was going on that evening, with my fake ID. Rarely got carded, even though I definitely looked like a child, um, and would party. And then I would come home around three or four and get back into bed and then like wake up for school at like seven or eight. I think my school started at nine. Um, and so I had a blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's I don't like good advice. good advice for a child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I it think, is. I think it was dangerous for me to be doing that, but I had a good time. And I think that maybe what you could take from that is you know what? to, well, I don't know actually what you can take from that. Don't get a I fake, you, don't you, get a fake you can ID. Take, you can take don't antics. go to the club. Don't go to the club. I will say antics is not a bad idea, but I'm thinking more in the terms of like, um, ways for you to be like maliciously compliant with high school. Um, that like, you know, like I think malicious compliance is the best way you can go. Create some shenanigans, you know. Do you some, could start a band. You could start a band. You could. I feel like um, that's a good way to pass your time you, in high school. You know what, that's what I could, did. You could do um, what some people I knew in my high school did, and create. I wish I was a part of this, and I, I kick myself now that I wasn't. Um, but I do remember they uh, put together a performance art collective and started just doing. Like, I used stupid... to set myself and my friends on fire. Mm-hmm. Do that because you know <laughs> when you spray when you spray your body with axe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. light it on fire. Then it then it just burns off the axe and not yeah. you. So I formed a self immolation society with mm-hmm. myself and my friends, and we would light ourselves on fire. Yeah, do, um, do, I also do don't. Crazy... I think I don't recommend doing that either. I, I think that could have gone very wrong. You know, this is um, a, this is a short period of your life. Um, and this is a period where I think like you you spend a lot of time looking inward and you spend a lot of time being like, I don't want to cause a scene. You think like, I just want to lay low. I just want to get through this. Um, and you try to like not make waves. And I think you should do the opposite. I think you should absolutely like don't do what do, don't do what I did. Don't lay low and have group sex. In, don't, and don't go to clubs with fake IDs. Instead, yeah. just start causing scenes. Start pulling antics, shenanigans, pranks. Do do some like fun shit. Um, also, maybe lean into being miserable and just become like a like. I think be Daria? really vocal you want about them to it. Daria? Yeah, and just be like, <laughs> I'm not a conformist. Like everything sucks. Everyone here some is preps fake. laughed at me. I didn't <laughs> gave them the finger. I have long um, raven black hair and ice blue eyes. I don't think either of us are qualified to give out advice to children. And I'm, no, I don't, you I'm should, sorry, you baby. should like listen to, I mean, you can keep listening to us. We do need, we need listeners. I love the youth. But yeah, but I feel like I don't, cause really I, if I was having a bad time, I just kept having a bad time. And now that I'm out of it, it's very easy to be like, ah, you'll be out in two years. 
but it doesn't well, feel like that when you're in it. It doesn't. Feel and like I that. know that. But that's really all that there is. Is you just got, you kind of have to just wait it out. And like, unfortunately, eventually our has structured it around where you have to be in government-funded public school. Um, with a hey, bunch they of people could be. They could be in in rich parent-funded private also school bad. that gives all of their <laughs> students a dressage horse. You don't know. But also bad. Those mm. those schools often have teachers who are not licensed. So like, <laughs> and Kendall knows that better than anyone. I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, all the teachers I, are horses. It's terrible. They're just shitting mm-hmm. everywhere. It's terrible. Kendall did um, go to Equestria High. <laughs> <laughs> God, when the bronies were big, oh, it was pandemonium over there. It was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really bad PR for the school at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's easy to say, like, you'll get out of it. Um, but what I will say is that when you do get out of it, you ooh. realize like ooh ooh like you realize like how like how many doors just open like how many choices you just have the freedom to make now um in, think, in like the sense of like there's I, so I much little bullshit that you will never have to do again like things you don't even think about as like oh that's just something i I've, I've never i never have to do again i went to a college where i never had to take a test again and the one time i took a test i flunked it and i went to the professor i was like i'll be honest i haven't taken a test in like 4 years and he laughed and he was like okay we'll bump it up to a b <laughs> you know i think i actually have the answer dye your hair dye your hair and get, oh, get like hair. a get like a stupid little haircut because as you get older haircut sometimes it's hard to do wacky things with your hair because you have Mm -hmm. to cave to the pressures of corporate america sometimes not if you're an entrepreneur like me yeah but it you know like sometimes in certain careers or in certain social circles you have to kind of you have to be a conformist high school is the perfect time to do stupid stuff to your hair and it's okay if your hair looks dumb because you already look dumb because you're yeah. a teenager and teenagers are ugly so like <laughs> don't say they are, that to the they, child they are <laughs> they are no no, no. I, I would have found it very comforting to know that <laughs> i was i was ugly at 17 but that i would get hotter like you're you're <laughs> growing into your well i mean teenagers yeah, are ugly yeah, I'm not gonna they say are. teenagers hot. That's like that's a you're, you're just you you're, you're, they're they're awkward looking. Yeah. You will look better eventually, and so it doesn't matter if you do something stupid to your hair because you already look stupid. So if mm-hmm. you have an idea, if you're like, I want to dye my hair bright green and then like shave off a patch of it and braid another one into like a long rat tail, just go for it and do it because you already look dumb. Like, so like you, might, said, as, you might as well have antics. fun. Malicious and, like, compliance. Is, and Just, the, the best part is that it will probably make adults in your life annoyed. Oh, they're going to be so uncomfortable and mad. Oh, it's going to be so fun. That'll be fun for you. Yeah. So I think my advice on how to get through the rest of high school is to just like do stupid stuff to your hair. Mm-hmm. Um destroy your hair if you want to then shave it off grow it back do something dumb to it again and just like repeat the process you could also get piercings sometimes you have to be like 18 to get a piercing so 
I don't know, like maybe maybe you know someone without scruples. In my high school, there were always girls that would like pierce people on like the bathroom floor. Mm-hmm. They grow back, you know. They so do. that's Sometimes fine. Sometimes they close up. If you're if you're like I don't like this anymore, you could just take it out. Yeah, and it'll close up in like two days. Yeah. I so I think make temporary changes to your appearance that will make you look kind of silly because then you'll be having fun. It will make other people annoyed. And then you'll be thinking about like, oh, what else can I do? Um, Instead of, you know, stressing about how to get through the next two years of high school. And I hope that those two years go really fast for you. I really do. I bless you with a a fast high school career. Mm -hmm. Um, Good luck, child. Um, this was I, Big Soy Naturals, this, this presented Soy Naturals. by Banana Corn, live from the Crypto.com Los Angeles arena. <laughs> it's the same place where they held uh, AnimeCon not too long ago. Um, I can still smell the sweat from all the fursuits and Inuyasha costumes. Um, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, yeah. Be sure to call our We hotline. have more questions. We, yeah, have, we have more, more questions. questions. We're going to answer them. And... Also, like you should you should call us. You should yes, text call us. Call our hotline. It's going to be in the description because I forget the number we're right so now. We're so qualified. Uh, we're so qualified. We have multiple PhDs. I have at least five degrees. Uh, two of them are in uh, horse-related evolutionary biology, <laughs> <laughs> but only for horses. Um, yeah. equ- equine evolutionary biology. Um, what did horses evolve out of? Uh, and what will they evolve into Mm. centipedes Uh, (laughs) um, make sure to uh, follow us on twitter on instagram we are big soy naturals everywhere i am she herzog on twitter Uh, cerise has commodified this on twitter Uh, send us an email send us an email it's big soy podcast at gmail.com send us your thoughts your feelings whatever you want um leave us a review on apple Podcasts and on spotify Podcasts. they have reviews now check those out um leave us a review because it's really good for our um our standing in the algorithm uh check out our patreon and our uh website which is uh bigsoyuniverse.neocities.com thanks for joining us bye i don't want smoke i just want to smoke coffee is one of my favorite tastes I don't want smoke, I just want to smoke. When I hit the pipe, I'm like Walter White. Not only that, I feel like a ball smell amazing. Yeah, I like green because it makes me lean. And I smoke high because I'm blowing clouds. When I hit high, then it's time to smoke. There are dangerous people. Like, I cannot get it far enough down my throat to be satisfied. I don't want smoke. I'm only satisfied when I feel those intense, powerful, salty, hot pumps of cum down my throat. I don't want smoke, I just want to smoke. This is a certified Big Soy Naturals classic.